Monday has come down from the mountain, and I so hope someone will sing a song about this. This is the November 9th, 2020 edition of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newscast and Newsletter. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. Today's Patreon-fueled shout-out is from a supporter who wants you to consider a donation for Monica Johnson, a pro-strong woman who will be competing in a charity powerlifting event on November 21st called Make Every Rep Count. Gregory Carey Medlock is donating 30 cents for every pound that Monica squats to the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank. You can choose between three other charities as well. Learn more at Shenandoah Power. Sponsors accepted through November 14th. Over the weekend, the Virginia Department of Health posted the highest number of new daily COVID-19 cases yet, with 2,103 new cases reported on Saturday. On both Sunday and today, the VDH reported 1,302 new cases. The seven-day average for positive PCR tests has increased to 6.1%, up from 5.9% on Friday. In the Blue Ridge Health District, there have been 70 new cases reported, and the seven-day daily average for new tests is 21. The percent positivity in the district is 1.7. Some middle and high school students in Albemarle County have returned to classes today for in-person instruction. These are students who haven't been engaging in virtual learning and will now have access, according to Daily Progress reporter Catherine Knott. The metrics on the Centers for Disease Control Pandemic Dashboard have not been updated with today's figures at production time, but all but one of Albemarle's metrics are all in green for moderate risk. The total number of new cases per 100,000 persons within the last 14 days is 91.06, indicating higher risk. However, looking to the west in Virginia will show some signs of concern. In Allegheny County, the 14-day metric is at 710.9 today, with 50 new cases reported on Saturday, though none yesterday and one today. In Wise County, the 14-day metric is at 710.3, with 67 cases reported on Saturday, 16 on Sunday, and 9 today. The percent positivity for VDH's far southwest region is 12.8% and 8.6% for the near southwest region. That number is 4.2 in VDH's northwest region, which includes Albemarle and Charlottesville. Oral arguments were held Friday in the Virginia Supreme Court for the city of Charlottesville's appeal of a court ruling that Confederate statues in city parks were protected war memorials at the time city council voted to remove them. An injunction remains to keep the statues in place, even after legislation passed the Virginia General Assembly this year, that they no longer would have the protection. Interim City Attorney Lisa Robertson argued that there were two major facts that supported the city's appeal. Fact number one, plaintiffs never asserted there was actual physical damage or harm to the statues. Fact number two, Charlottesville statues were not installed pursuant to any state enabling legislation, general or special, which expressly authorized them to be erected as any type of war memorial and regulated as such. Kevin Walsh represented the Monument Fund, the organization that filed suit against the city for voting to remove the statues and covering them with tarps after the Unite the Right rally on August 12, 2017. He picked up on a line of questioning from one justice about whether the tarp was an encroachment. The words physical damage appear nowhere in 15.2-1812-1. There are four purposes that are listed for which damages may be awarded, and those include preserving as well as restoring to pre-encroachment condition. 
And of course, tarps are an encroachment, and they were restored to pre-encroachment condition by the order that they were uh, to be removed. Walsh acknowledged that the General Assembly has changed the law removing the protection, but argued that the provisions do not necessarily apply to the Charlottesville statues. Justices will issue a ruling at a later date. Previous opinions can be viewed on the Virginia Supreme Court website. On Saturday, Habitat for Humanity of Greater Charlottesville dedicated 10 new homes at its Harmony Ridge development at the corner of 5th Street and Bailey Road in the city. The project is the eighth mixed-income neighborhood built by the organization. Dan Rosenzweig is the chief executive officer of Habitat for Humanity. This day has been a long day coming, a long time coming, and the community has been in the making for many years. In fact, the idea of a mixed-income neighborhood on the site a place where people from all walks of life could come together to share a common destiny has been a dream for so many people for almost two decades. Abundant Life Ministries had owned the land and they had intended to develop it, but Habitat took over the project in the last few years. The Piedmont Housing Alliance invested in two homes and the CFA Institute covered the cost of making all of the units energy efficient. Rosenzweig said a decision was made to complete the units faster once the pandemic hit. We just knew that we needed to find a way to not just finish, but to expedite the completion of these homes. Out of the spotlight, this team got right to work. They figured out how to build the homes themselves while at all times maintaining safe social distance. Little heroic efforts like bringing pieces of trim home to paint them and coming coming back at night to install them. You can listen to the dedication in its entirety on Habitat's YouTube page. The election results last week showed one way that rural and urban America are generally divided. About 15% of the population lives on about 72% of the nation's land. Tomorrow, the organization Resilient Virginia will convene a discussion about ways to prepare communities in rural areas for increased incidence of extreme weather associated with climate change. The speakers will be Gwen Griffith of the Model Forest Policy Program and Ned Gardner of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's Climate Visualization Project. They'll talk about something called the Resilient Rural America Project. Registration is $20. Tonight at 7 p.m., Wild Virginia will hold a book club for anyone who has read Janice Ray's memoir, Ecology of a Cracker Childhood. I spoke with Janice last month about her thoughts on the pandemic. You can listen to parts of that interview in the October 19th version of this program. The free event sponsored by Wild Virginia begins at 7 p.m. tonight. Technically, there are six more weeks or so left this autumn, but the Virginia Department of Transportation is already preparing for the possibility of winter weather. According to a news release, VDOT has a $211 million budget for snow removal this year, more than 11,300 pieces of snow removal equipment, more than 690,000 tons of salt and other forms of grit, and more than 2.1 million gallons of salt brine and liquid calcium chloride. Here's a statement from VDOT Chief of Maintenance and Operations, Kevin Gregg. Our top priority is the safety of those on our roadways. The Commonwealth has more than 128,000 miles of state-maintained roads and bridges, so we prepare year-round to keep Virginia moving when winter weather arrives. Our crews are trained, experienced, and equipped to handle snow and ice before and after it hits the ground. There's also an online tracking tool which allows people to chart the progress of snowplows. 
And that's it for today's installment of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newscast and Newsletter. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. Thank you for listening. And if this is a program that you have found useful, the most important thing you can do today is forward it on to somebody you think might benefit from it so we can continue to grow the audience. If you're interested in civic affairs in this community, do take a look at the Week Ahead newsletter, which was posted last night. I'll be doing an audio version of that for people in the $10 a month tier on Patreon. If you'd like to listen to a sample, drop me a line and I'll send you one. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back tomorrow with another installment. 